I pray this finds you having a blessed, wonderful new year of 2022 and uh, took a few weeks off to enjoy time with the family and uh, looking forward to getting back into our podcasts as we uh, continue um, looking at the growth of our Christian life and being able to um, look at it from the angle of faith and prayer. And that's one of the things that I want to do today is to look at that, but uh, look at it from a little bit... Uh, I guess you could say of a sports angle and uh, I enjoy watching sports as a lot of people do Um, and I think that there's uh, something that we can kind of learn from the sports realm and I think it's a trend that we have seen uh, and I think it speaks very clearly um, to our Christian walk uh, especially when it comes to our life in faith and prayer and I want to start off with this passage of scripture and then be able to kind of go into um, these uh, analogies of sports to be able to kind of show exactly what I'm talking about. Um, The disciples, when they were beginning their process of growing and walking with Jesus, I believe one of the things that they saw very regularly was they saw Jesus praying. I think they saw him... um, praying not out of ritualism, not out of because he had to, but I think they genuinely saw Jesus spending time with the Father. And I think that's where we get to in Matthew 6 with what many know as the Lord's Prayer, could be called the Disciples' Prayer. Um, But they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And I think there's some very significant things in Jesus' prayer. Uh, because I think they focus on two specific things. The first thing I think that it focuses on is longevity. And what I mean by that is the kingdom mindset and the kingdom purpose. When Jesus starts out teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think what Jesus was teaching to the disciples is that the Christian walk is all about longevity. It's all about the big picture. We've heard it used in this analogy a thousand times. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that's what Jesus was teaching them here in this prayer. So longevity is important, but I think Jesus was also teaching them Another very important thing that almost seems like it contradicts, but really it doesn't. And that is the next verse where he says, Give us today our daily bread. Jesus has went from talking about the longevity of the Christian life to the daily walk in the Christian life. Now, what I want to do is I want to utilize that mindset of faith and prayer. And I want to be able to bring in these perspectives when it comes to these sports analogies to help us to get a clear picture of what I think Jesus is trying to teach us as we begin this new year of 2022. And I know so many people are trying, you know, I'm not a big guy in resolutions. Um, I know a lot of people are. Uh, I know a lot of people set resolutions to read the Bible in a year, to lose weight, to be more healthy to do this and do this. And 
I think that if all of us as followers of Christ could say, we all want a closer walk with Jesus. So I think that that's what this is going to do. I think that this mindset here is going to give us a perspective of uh, some simplicity of how we can really be able to um, do a better job, I guess you could say, in growing uh, maybe than we did last year. And so with this mindset of longevity and this mindset of a daily walk, I think what Jesus is teaching us is this. You can't have a solid, consistent, and I don't like using this word, but I'm going to, successful Christian walk without having a consistent, faithful daily walk. We can't dismiss the daily perspective we have in our Christian life. What we do on a daily basis is very significant when it comes to the longevity of our Christian life. If we don't spend quality time in prayer, in Bible reading, in sharing our testimony, sharing the gospel, in um, making sure that we are trying to live as best a Christ follower today as we can, you're not going to see progress in your Christian life. It's one of those things that you have to do it daily in order for it to be able to show forth from a uh, longevity perspective. And I'll give you an example of one of the things that, um, from the sports analogy. And, of course, I grew up in the 80s, in the 90s, and was able to see a lot of great sports teams and if you look at, if you were able to witness sports during that period of time and now you're seeing sports there is one thing that is 100% a difference and that is the longevity of coaches now i also want to be able to use a specific analogy, and I know this one may not get a whole lot of people. I am a very big soccer fan, and especially of the Premier League in England. And there is a team that many, you may have heard of them, you may not. Their team's name is Arsenal. And they used to be very good. Um, they had a very solid team. They were winning the Premier League. They were winning championships under a specific coach, um, Arsene Wenger. And he was tremendous at doing what he did. And Arsenal went on a big run, and they were just a solid team. And for years, they were phenomenal. Um, but Arsene Wenger's style of soccer began to get old for a lot of the Arsenal soccer fans. They saw some of these other teams that had these fresh new coaches and it was a little bit faster of a style of play and they wanted that. <clears throat> they wanted to be able to have their team scoring goals. They wanted to make sure that there was excitement on the field and they went into this big hole, you know, we want a new coach. We want rid of uh, Arsene Wenger. We want to make sure that um, we are like the newer clubs. Well, they ended up getting rid of him, and Arsenal began this downward spiral. 
and they began to not have the winning seasons. They weren't able to draw in the big-name players. And so they ended up getting a coach here a couple years ago. His name is Mikel Arteta. And this coach, this is his first job, but he does have some experience in being able to be an understudy from uh, some other uh, significant coaches. And he comes in, and one of the things that he does is he begins to do more of a developmental process. He sees that they have a lot of young players. He sees that they have a lot of young talent, but it's not been developed. And so what he's going to do is he is looking at this situation and saying, we would be better off by moving slowly, progressing daily, and developing what we have than trying to run out, grab this hot free agent, bring him in, hope that he'll last for a couple years, and hope that he'll buy into our mentality, or we could train up our own team with our mentality of what we want to do and see what happens. Well, the first couple years, it's very mediocre. And then the beginning of this uh, soccer season, um, Arsenal started off pretty rough. And I believe that they lost their first four matches. And everybody was calling for um, Arteta's head. They wanted him fired. They wanted him gone. And he just kept telling them, trust the process. And here we are. We're sitting today at halfway through the Premier League soccer season. And Arsenal are in the top four. Which means they are going to be in a Champions League spot. And they still have an opportunity to compete for the top of the Premier League. You say, okay, all of that to say what? I think in sports, we have this specific effect. I think it started with someone, many of you all may know or may not know, his name is Phil Jackson. I think it goes to Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, those are football coaches, and then another soccer coach in Pep Guardiola. And what I'm meaning by that is this. You have the, I've heard it many times before, the Phil Jackson effect, the Nick Saban effect, that there are just these head coaches and these teams that have these dynasties. And what happens then is they're winning so much that all of these other teams are firing their coaches after two or three years in order to be able to try to get the next Nick Saban or the next Phil Jackson or the next Bill Belichick. And what happens then is these teams are just sputtering out of control because they bring in a coach for two years and because he didn't win the national championship in that two-year period of time, they fire him, they go out and get another guy. Well, all you're doing is creating absolute chaos. If you go back to the 70s, 80s, and early 90s in sports, one of the things that you knew was that fill-in-the-blank was the coach of this team. If you could go through, I mean, even still now, I can go back and tell you who the coaches were of the teams in the 80s and 90s that were successful, and every one of them had coaches that had significant longevity. When you look at coaches today, it is a, what have you done for me lately? Get re- I mean, A perfect example is LSU's coach. LSU's coach just came in a couple years ago. He ends up winning the national championship, and then they fire him 
just a couple years later. And it seems like these certain coaches that have this great success are affecting all of these others. So what I'm using all of those sports analogies to do is to bring it back to this. I think that we spend more time looking at what we would deem successful churches and successful Christians. And we try to copy and emulate what they're doing rather than developing our own walk with the Lord. I remember I had a pastor tell me this one time. I planted a church in a very small, economically depressed area. And we we were never going to be what you would deem a mega church. There was number one, there wasn't the population to be able to do it. But that's not what this area was built around. And that's not what we were shooting for. Our goal when we planted the church that we planted was not to go in and build the biggest church in our area. Our goal was to go in and develop fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I remember I had this one person come up to me and said, Jeremiah, it seems like you really know what you're doing. Why are you wasting your time at such a small church when you could probably go to a a, a significantly larger church and you would be able to have more money and you would have more resources and you would have this. And this was the response that I made to him. Why would I want to go somewhere else where someone else has built something when we could build something great right here? And they really didn't know how to respond to me. And I think that that's what's happening today in our Christian walk. I think it runs all the way from the pastor all the way down. I think that we have so many pastors that use churches as stepping stones in order to be able to get to that next church, to get to that next notoriety, to be able to get to that next significant whatever, that they're not staying at churches long enough to be able to really do anything except for create numbers. And they think that by creating numbers, it helps to build their resume, which allows them to get out there more. What they don't realize, though, is they're damaging the church. Johnny Hunt and many other men have said this previously. It takes a minimum of seven years to become the pastor of a church. Now, if you look at what... And I don't know the exact number as of right now, but I know that here not long ago, I think it was about 21 months, is what a Southern Baptist pastor stays at the local church. That's not even two years. So if a Southern Baptist pastor is only staying at a church for 21 months, what they're doing is they're coming in, they're trying to use their system or or emotionalism in order to bring in people to kind of blow up their numbers to make them look like they are doing something significant when really all they've done is they've come in, they have rearranged a few things, and then they're leaving the church with this huge void that now the rest of the body is going to have to deal with. But then there's also this other. There's churches that are dead or dying because they have these power structures, whether it be from family or whoever, that won't relinquish any kind of power or control. 
And what they think then is we'll just hire this young guy and this young guy will come in and because he's young, he'll automatically bring people with him. Well, the moment that he comes in to try to be able to uh, begin growing the church and being able to look at what's going on and saying, hey, these ministries aren't doing anything to reach people for the gospel. We need to do this. They fire him because they don't like anybody to change what they're doing, which they don't realize is the definition of insanity. To do the same thing but expect a different result. If all you're doing is controlling your church and you're driving your church into the ground, Jesus can't come in and pastor your church and change it. What has to happen is there has to be a culture change. So what we're finding is that too many pastors are using the church as a stepping stone. Too many churches have a power and control problem and they won't let go of it and they fire their pastor too quickly. Hence brings us to the point that we're bringing this podcast into. Now we have a group of people in our churches that have no idea what it means to be a follower of Christ. What's happened is that we're playing musical chairs and we wonder why we're not growing. There has to be longevity. There has to be a sense of purpose and plan. There has to be some daily growth that takes place. There has to be relationships built in order for growth to take place. And the reason why so many churches are struggling today is because what we're finding is that everybody wants the quick fix to the Christian life. And Jesus tells us right here when he tells the disciples how to pray, it is daily obedience with a focus on kingdom-mindedness. It is daily obedience which leads to the longevity of the Christian walk. And you can't have either one without making sure that you focus on either one. What I mean by that is this. You can't have good, solid daily growth unless you have kingdom-mindedness in mind. You can't be able to have a successful kingdom-mindedness unless you are daily growing in the Lord. See, what we're wanting is we're letting society to determine everything we're doing. We think that somebody can come in and be able to quickly fix things. Discipleship is a lifelong process. Growing in Jesus is a lifelong process. You don't fix it by bringing in the new hot pastor. You don't bring it by coming in and changing all these programs. I still think, and and, and you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not one of these new age pastors that I'm changing everything we got to D groups. Guess what? We still do Sunday school. We still do Sunday night service. And we still have Bible study on Wednesday night. And you know what? We still have phenomenal numbers. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But what happens is so often people come in and they just want to make sure that they do the new hot thing and they begin to wreck what's going on within the local church. And people don't know how to grow in their faith. What we're finding is that, well, if I just come to this program or I just come to this class or I just come to this or I just do this, we're teaching people that the the, the long process, don't, don't worry about that. We're just going to do something real quick. We're going to do something real fast. And what we're finding is we've got people that have faith that's a mile wide and an inch deep. When real troubles and trials and struggles come into their life, they don't know what to do. 
They don't know how to grow. They don't know how to help someone else. They don't know how to legitimately pray. All they know how to do is sit down and tell God, this is what I need, but then get angry because God's not moving fast enough. They don't understand that prayer is intimate communication with God. They don't understand that faith is about walking and growing through the trial, not trying to hurry up and get over it. Sometimes you got to have lean years. You can't always win. You know, and I think that's one of the most difficult things that a lot of sports fans struggle with is they see the Nick Sabans, they seen the Phil Jacksons with Michael Jordan and the six championships without a loss. They see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together. They see these dynasties and they're like, that's what we want. We want to constantly win. Well, guess what? Michael Jordan doesn't come along every year in the draft. Phil Jackson doesn't come along as a coach very often. Nick Saban is is a a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, generational college coach. You can't have them, but you can still be successful. And the problem is, is we're always wanting what the other guys got rather than saying, God, I want what you want for me. And so as we begin this new year, we begin this new year of 2022, I want you to be encouraged to, to realize, you know what? It's good to just be you. It's good to be able to sit down and say, God, I want what you want for me. I want to be able to enjoy what you have for me. I want to grow in my relationship with you. Don't want what somebody else already has. Want what God has only for you. That's a big thing. And so I encourage you that, uh, you know, you spend some time letting God develop you and the plan he has for you. And don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about what other people think is success or not. It's about what are you doing in your walk with the Lord, and can you say that you're growing more every day and having a deeper kingdom mindset? That's what it's about. So I pray this has been an encouragement to you. I pray that it's blessed you. And if it has, I encourage you to share it. Uh, I also encourage you, if you can, to be able to leave a review uh, on whatever platform you're listening to it, uh, to leave um, a rating on there as well. That helps this podcast get out there a little bit more to other people. And I pray most of all that you take the challenge seriously to deepen in your walk with the Lord. Go out and share the gospel with somebody today. If you know that there's somebody in your uh, life that's unsaved, I encourage you to share the gospel with them. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you happen to be listening to this today, I want you to know that Jesus loved you enough to die on a cross for you and paid your sin debt so that you could spend eternity with Him. And if you want to know more about that, I encourage you to contact me or find someone and that you know is a Christ follower and ask them, what does it mean to repent of my sins and trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior? I look forward to seeing you back next week as we jump back into more uh, of our Common Sense Bible Study podcast, and I pray you have a blessed day.